Welcome to Scandal.K12.us. Our Scandal K-12 curriculum is a true crime comedy podcast about bamboozling boards, sneaky superintendents, lame learning products, and teachers who are way too cool for school. This curriculum may contain references and potential descriptions of crimes against minors and crimes against the field of education. Listener discretion is advised. And now, students, it is time for the morning announcements. Good morning, Scandal K-12 students, home of the fighting rats. Go rats! Since our story takes place in multiple states and involves teachers as workers, we will play an anthem that is fitting for our topic. Please rise for the anthem. Well, that, students, was a rendition on concertina, not accordion. Hey, students, do you know what the difference between a concertina and accordion is? One takes half the time to burn. Thank you. We will be here each week. Don't forget to try the halibut, because in cod we trust. Seriously, tip your waitress, get home safe, and good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Today, students will be discussing getting dumped, ditched, kicked to the curb, walked out on, ghosted, or otherwise left by your one son to tug on your pud like a gobshite knob gobbler by your teacher. Yes, students, today we're talking about when Mrs. K or Mr. C quits their school job and off in the entire profession because you dodgy wankers are skiving off secondary and your nutty chopper parents are extra credit and every day the Fresh Prince is forcing them to attend a staff meeting when it's she bay and they're being asked to gray-gray all weekend when all they want to do is lamb and chill. While we're going to focus on the former colonies, the United States, our British slang is kicked out since we're calling this episode scandal.k12.us forward slash goodbye Mr. Chips. When we think of teaching and classroom teachers, we think of a cushy job with summers off working the minimum and reading from old out-of-date books. We're taught that once a teacher gets tenure, they're there for the rest of their lives and then some, and if they want, they can just sit there with their legs up on the desk and read the newspaper all day as students mull over worksheets and dittos learning next to nothing. Yet our other idea of teachers is those thankless few who are excited to just teach students. For all we knew, these teachers were stored in a box overnight and they were expected to sit there in that box poring over papers long into the night grading our stupid midterms we wrote at the last minute and examining them for signs of genius in us. All of them could accomplish more with less effort by learning to make the best use of their time. Our teachers were either lazy, dull piles of biomass or martyrs who lived for their job and nothing else. For many, it seemed that teaching and teachers offered stability. Some of us may have had teachers who were our parents' teachers, Everyone had that one teacher like Dr. Burns. Dr. Burns was a professor who, after teaching at a certain college for decades, went back to his hometown in a rural environment to teach high school. And not only did he teach high school there, but when he retired, he went to teach high school at a neighboring district. No one knew exactly how old Dr. Burns was or whether Dr. Burns aged at all. And, according to reports, he is still teaching and is, we can assume, even older we can also assume that somewhere, in a barn, there is a portrait, and that portrait gets ever older each year. This stability of the profession that we have in our minds, however, is an old myth that will need to be dispelled. Not only has the profession changed so that there's no longer endless summers, the 
work has also expanded and the pay has, in real dollars, decreased. It was once thought that the issue of teachers leaving at the end of the school year or breaking down from the stress and leaving in the middle of the academic year was something only bad schools, inner city schools, or schools with really tough kids ever experienced. However, even in suburbia, schools are experiencing a turnover of teacher staff, not only with the usual churn within an organization, but of teachers leaving the field entirely in a large number. Teachers not just aging out of the system and retiring at once, but aging out of the system, retiring at once, and other teachers not getting in to fill their shoes. However, even in suburban schools, they are experiencing a turnover of teachers and staff, not only that usual churn within the organization where people do move around, but of teachers leaving the field entirely. As a large number of teachers are aging out of the system and retiring, it seems, all at once, New teachers are not replacing them in the numbers that's needed, especially with an increase in population. You see, we can have as many assistant principals as we want. We can have a whole quora of curriculum directors. We can have a whole room full of department chairs as you want. But if you don't have actual classroom teachers, you don't have a school. Now, before we dive into the main announcement, let's look at a few teachers who have, for one reason or another, stood up and gotten out of the building. Students, I want you to wash your hands before we take our hats off to this next teacher. According to the Miami Herald, quote, a veteran Florida teacher was arrested at Largo High School for apparently going too far in the fight against coronavirus. According to a police report from the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office, deputies responded Wednesday to a disturbance call at the Largo School. Ms. R. told officers that four of her in-person students had refused to properly wear masks and she became very agitated. According to this complaint made by police, Ms. R. sprayed clear disinfectant into the, quote, path of their faces and bodies. Now, this product description reveals that the hospital-grade hard and soft surface aerosol sanitizer does kill 99.9% of germs, which, perhaps in her defense, is proper to use because right on the label, it says it can be, quote, used in schools. But unfortunately, Miss R was arrested on three counts of child abuse with great bodily harm and spent the entire night behind bars in the local jail. Before letting her go home without posting any bond, the judge reprimanded the educator, according to TV station CBS 17. Miss G claims that the video surveillance tape will vindicate her at her bail hearing, and at her bail hearing, she also asked for a public defender, considering she's on a, quote, teacher's salary. If we remember to do so, we will update you on this story, but since news stories often break with salacious accounts and never follow up later, we probably won't follow up either, and we'll forever assume that Miss G will be guilty of child abuse after she spent 21 years educating special needs kids in Florida. Now, not that we can travel anymore, but let's move on to another state, a little further north than Florida. Let's consider South Carolina, a state that's already ranking 43rd in education, which, considering the list also includes the territories Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, and the U.S. Armed Services under the Department of Defense, who operate a U.S.-style school district throughout the world for about 72,000 students of the armed service families, this is not looking too good for South Carolina. But the good news is that South Carolina is reopening for business as of March of 2021. The other bad news is that South Carolina continues to have new cases and deaths from COVID-19. 
This has led many educators, already exhausted from a year of virtual teaching, to ask for extensions to work from home for medical exceptions to prevent their having to return to the classroom in order to babysit children, which parents just found out how hard it is to do with children in your house all day and not have corporal punishment as an outlet. According to News 13, coverage you can count on, quote, Teachers who choose not to return to the classroom this year due to fears of COVID-19 are facing a big punishment. You see, the State Board of Education is threatening to take away the teaching license for a year. Channel Fox 46 obtained a letter sent to former Fort Mill School District teacher telling her the board will, quote, meet to make a determination regarding the possible suspension of your South Carolina educator certificate due to a breach of a contract. Quote, in the midst of a pandemic, I've a hard time understanding why a district feels the need to suspend a license when they're just trying to protect their health and their family, said Patrick Kelly, the Palmetto State Teachers Association representative. South Carolina law does allow for a teacher's license to be taken away if they resign in the middle of the year. According to WFAE 90.7, Charlotte's NPR news source, the head of Government Affairs and Director for the Palmetto State Teachers Association says that hundreds of teachers have requested medical accommodations from district officials for themselves or out of concern for family members this year. He says many have resigned after being turned down. It appears that South Carolina law gives districts the authority to suspend the license of teachers who opt out of their contracts at any point after they're signed annually in mid-May. According to recent statistics, this has led many educators to quit the profession entirely. According to the Post and Courier, hundreds of South Carolina public school teachers have left their jobs since the school year started, pushing pre-pandemic shortages past the crisis level and making it ever more difficult for students to catch up. As of this recording, there are more than 500 vacancies that remain in K-12 schools as of February 2021, according to the Center for Education Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement at Winthrop University, which issued the first-ever mid-year update. Wow, it took this for them to update mid-year. Anyway, quote, Districts are in survival mode right now and probably just not tracking why their teachers are leaving. They're just trying to fill the spots at this point, said Jennifer Garrett, a Center for Education, Recruitment, Retention, and Advancement analyst. Quote, had the pandemic not happened, I think I would be a little bit more optimistic, but we're going to have a very long lingering effect, she says. So we're going to see if maybe North Carolina can shoot the moon and win that 51st spot on the nation's list of worst educational states because education is just a big game of hearts, isn't it? And sometimes being the worst is a winning hand. It's sad to see that even in a great recession, the stability that teaching once provided isn't worth the potential risk of catching a high-risk and often fatal disease. However, let's put aside the today times for a little perspective from the before times, and for that, we're going to go back and travel to 1997. In 1997, Monica Lewinsky was not yet a tabloid name. Chumbawamba had broken out of their post-punk activism with the inane song Tub Thumping, and people had collectively sunk 1,843,201,200,268 dollars on the film Titanic. That year, the Academy of Motion Pictures had given Best Picture to The English Patient and Best Makeup to Rick Baker and David Leroy Anderson for their work on The Nutty Professor. You see, back then we had this thing called President Clinton. 
He was and is today the consort of Hillary Clinton, and back then he was considered a change agent. In 1997, President Clinton had a call to action for American education that was part of his State of the Union address. In his speech, he gave out 10 points, one of which was to make sure that schools not only had more better teachers, they had the more best teachers ever. According to Clinton, what teachers needed was a foundationally accepted credential, and he looked to spend more in order to increase the number of, quote, highly qualified teachers. Clinton said, We should reward and recognize our best teachers, and as we reward them, we should quickly and fairly remove those few who don't measure up. And we should challenge more of our finest young people to consider teaching as a career. Almost a decade later, the entire nation was experiencing a drastic teacher shortage as most of the economy was fired up in the 1995-2001 tech bubble that gave way to the subprime housing bubble that ended in 2008. But back in 2005, a study examined how teachers were paid and found that, quote, overwhelmingly the things that would destroy the morale of teachers who wanted to leave were the working conditions. Bad, bad, bad working in poor facilities, having to pay for supplies and other classroom expenses, according to one Los Angeles teacher talking about a high turnover school. According to the study, quote, working conditions within the schools and districts needed to be improved, and by 2017, they obviously did not improve. First, let's take a look at teacher attrition, also known as teacher turnover. While many are drawn to education in college, and education continues to be one of the more popular majors, 8% of educators leave the field entirely each year, while the same proportion shifts schools so that 9 out of our 10 new hires in schools are replacing school instructional staff who have left. Of those who remain in the profession for 10 years, two-thirds quit before retirement, and these numbers are much, much higher for poor, rural, or minority-majority schools. According to an article by Brandman University, the university you've never heard about, which has been around since 1958, quote, one of the biggest issues associated with attrition is the way it drives schools to hire inexperienced, less effective teachers to fill the void created by recurring vacancies. When qualified educators leave, schools often resort to hiring alternatively certified teachers, those who hold teaching certificates or licenses that were earned outside of a traditional college preparation program. Now, the attrition rate is not a fixed number, and it depends on when you count, who you count, and how you count. According to the Washington Post, Democracy Dies in the Darkness, the national teacher shortage is a myth. In a 2005 opinion article by Kate Walsh, then president of the National Council on Teacher Quality, a think tank founded during the No Child, a think tank founded during No Child Left Behind's inception, and who advocates for merit-based teacher pay as well as puts out an almost annual report that constantly finds American teacher education programs inadequate. According to Kate Walsh, the shortage is the fault of unions not allowing for higher pay in rural areas, or unions allowing part-time teachers so they quote. Science, technology, engineering, and math teachers could swoop in and duck out whenever their schedule dictated, as well as the need to ease certification requirements in certain areas. According to the City Journal, a publication of the Manhattan Institute for Policy Research, the teacher shortage story is even worse. In 2017, the journal claimed that this, quote, shortage claim has been around for some time, the National Education Association warned in 1921 that there was an appalling lack of trained teachers throughout the country. The late Cato Institute scholar Andrew Kalusen 
gave us a more up-to-date perspective in 2015, explaining that since 1970, quote, the number of teachers has grown six times faster than the number of students. Enrollment grew about 8% from 1970 to 2010, but the teaching workforce grew 50%. While the Journal does acknowledge that there are some districts where general legitimate shortages exist, the shortage story is one promulgated by teacher unions and that, quote, growth in the teaching force, which goes well beyond student growth, is financially a ticking time bomb. They continue, and to quote them, On the California Teachers Association website, we read that California will need an additional 100,000 teachers over the next decade. But this statistic simply means that CTA expects about 2.8% yearly attrition rate and will need to hire 10,000 teachers per annum over a 10-year period to maintain current staffing levels. More of an actuarial projection than an alarming call for action. (laughs) In addition to these numbers being tweaked to hide uh, natural attrition, resignments, reassignments, arrests, or other reasons teachers leave the field, there's yet another fold in the teacher shortage story, and that is the supposed need for smaller class sizes. To continue quoting the journal, quote, The union adds that California must hire even more teachers to reduce class size so teachers can devote more time to each student. The claim that small class size benefits all students, another union-promulgated myth, means more teachers, which translates to more dues money in the union. In reality, California is following the national trend in overstaffing. According to the Legislative Analysis Office, California has 332,640 teachers in 2010. By 2015, there were 352,000 teachers, but the student population had been virtually flat, moving from 6.22 million in 2010 to 6.23 million in 2016. In addition to these claims, let us recognize some really meaty Tier 2 academic vocabulary words. If there are any students out there listening or English teachers, you should make flashcards for the words actuarial, promulgated, and glut. For some sense of, quote, definition of terms, we are primarily discussing teachers leaving the field and not transferring to other grades, moving from regular to special education, or entering the administration of a school all of which are typical for the industry and allow the industry to retain a certain amount of knowledge and expertise. It can be argued that a principal with a decade of teaching experience will look at school management with a different eye than someone who has a newly obtained Master's of Public Administration or Management degree and and credentials only received in the classroom. And the same can be said for educators in the classroom who, in addition to content knowledge, have to develop those soft skills of classroom management, parent management, system management, curriculum management, pacing management, and community management. According to a 2006 research paper published by the University of North Carolina, they placed the reasons for leaving the profession related to low pay relative to their level of education, that their level of education was one where teachers often gained master's degrees in other fields and then left the profession, marital status, that Unmarried teachers working the profession were at higher rates and stayed there longer, and lastly, the number of years working dictated the longevity that they would have within the profession itself. According to the report, first-year teachers were 2.5 times more likely to leave the profession than their more experienced counterparts. In addition, 15% of beginning teachers left after the second year, and still another 10% left after the third year. The turnover rate that they studied of new teachers does not settle the overall rate of However, the turnover rate of new teachers does not settle at the overall rate of 6% until the 5th or 6th year. 
Of all beginning teachers who enter the profession, actually 40 to 50% will leave during the first seven years of their career, and in excess of two-thirds of those will do so in the first four years of teaching. Now that's a lot of math and a lot of trying to figure and factor, so let's try to get this a little bit uh, clearer, can we? So this was a very in-depth paper that we looked at, and there were three named writers in this 2006 paper, but as we looked, only one of those writers appears to have a presence on LinkedIn and currently works as an education management consultant, which may be whisper word for unemployment. Or perhaps like the film Highlander, there can be only one research paper author. Nevertheless, the other two writers don't appear to be in education anymore. You can read the full report, Teacher Attrition, Is Time Running Out?, and we will link this in our show notes on scandalk12us.com forward slash show notes. So as you heard, Clinton had said that time was running out in 1997, and as we hear from these previous reports, time was still running out in 2006, and let's see how time was handling teacher attrition in the mid-teens of this new century by checking in with three very different states, and we will start our baseline at, by looking at pre-COVID times, or what we now call the before world. While there are a lot of states claiming teacher shortage, we're just going to look at three in this particular survey course that we're giving. First, we're going to go west to California, the home of every wrong idea west of the Mississippi. Then we're going to go to the Lone Star State, Texas, home of all the blockheaded ideas that have no place in California. Finally, we're going to go to the mile-high state of Colorado, where recreational marijuana is now legal and since 2012. Who cares about your problems, man? Smoke them if you got them. California back in early 2019 was bracing from the latest report that revealed that the state was going to have 8,000 fewer of the 24,000 credentialed teachers it needed. According to the news outlet CapitalAndMain.com, a nonprofit media company that co-publishes articles, which means that the author of the article may have contributed to the cost of publishing the work, which is sort of, we guess, a step above self-publishing a book. Um, nevertheless, it's, let's remember, it's California and just about anything goes. So according to the article in Capital and Maine, April findings by the California Commissioner on Teacher Credentialing noted that 23,000 prospective teachers were enrolled in the state's teacher prep programs during the 2016-2017 year, the most recent data available. This was an increase of nearly 2,500 over the previous year and 4,000 more than in 2012-2013. But that's still a trickle compared to the 77,000 enrollment over 2001-2002. Last year alone, the state came up short about 8,000 of the 24,000 fully credentialed teachers it needed. The result was that California's newly appointed State Board of Education President, Linda Darling Hammond, said that, quote, half the people coming in are not yet prepared and most likely are teaching in the highest needs communities. The fix? Darling Hammond said the state must restore discontinued programs such as scholarships that cover teacher preparation programs, costs, or student loan forgiveness in exchange for teaching in high-need schools or hard-to-fill subject areas, as reported in EdSource. Wait, are you kidding? All this information was in EdSource all along and we could have just reported it from their page? Okay, so according to the Uncapital and Main source EdSource, 
The state was giving out special, quote, limited assignments permits so teachers could teach outside their authorized subject area. And this rush to get teachers in front of children, of course, produced some very unprepared educators. And these educators were headed for the most troubled schools. Half the people coming in are not yet prepared and most likely are teaching. Oh, wait, we already said that. So anyway, basically, the California schools were super screwed. And especially with the high poverty schools. We like to look at comments, and the comments on this EdSource articles were of note since they were from alleged teachers who said that they were unable to find a position and that the shortage was politically driven. Some commentators and self-identified teachers claimed, among other things, that the pay was currently too low, that there was a push to diversify and increase the number of Hispanic and black teachers, that this was allowing positions to remain unfulfilled, that with a push to diversity and increase the number of Hispanic and black teachers, that this was allowing positions to remain unfilled, and that screener questions asked about ethnicity and that the process of credentialing was already overly complex. One commentator calling itself Doug Nelson claims, quote, My wife has eight years of elementary teaching experience, full credential, graduate of CSUN, posted the second highest scores in math and reading among 10 schools in her system, and not only can she not get a new position at a different school, she hasn't even been granted an interview. So tell me, where exactly is the teacher shortage? She has applied to Simi Valley and Temecula and in between, and absolutely nada. It's a joke that this state is short on truly qualified teachers when one of the best can't even get an interview. Again, is there a teacher shortage or isn't there? We're a little confused. While Brandman University looked at the nation and claims that education is the most popular undergraduate subject in California, according to the LA Times in 2015, fewer graduates are lining up to replace California teachers. As we reported above, in 2001, there were 77,000 graduates who enrolled, and by 2012, that number had dwindled to almost 20,000. The author of the LA Times piece, Christina Rizga, a former writer for the formerly progressive magazine Mother Jones, claimed that successful schools in California retain teachers by Mother Jones claimed that successful teachers in California that retain teachers stopped looking to punish teachers with tougher accountability measures, but actually started supporting them by paying teachers to do lesson plans, designing assessments together, and paying teachers to have time to reflect on student performance and collect meaningful school data. According to the author, along with teachers being more satisfied, student achievement went up as well. We can only guess that this is the professional version of the old adage, when mama happy, everyone happy. So now let's turn our attention to Texas. According to the Houston Chronicle in 2019, quote, teacher turnover remains high in Texas public schools. We can't really say any more since we just, we don't have the budget to subscribe to the Houston Chronicle and We've already subscribed to five different newspapers, but we can assume that the author, Andrea Zelensky, did a bang-up job in that article. We can tell you that Andrea Zelensky is a politics writer in Austin, and before joining Texas Monthly, she was hiking the Appalachian Trail, traveling a ribbon of dirt and stone for 2,193 miles stretching from Maine to Georgia. She has written about politics for both the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News. Like Davy Crockett, Andrea came to Texas by way of Tennessee, where she wrote about state governments for seven years, largely for the Nashville scene and its sister publications. She won an award from the Association of Alternative News Media for a series on growing pains in Nashville schools. She holds a master's degree in public affairs reporting 
reporting from the University of Illinois in Springfield and reported on Illinois government, including the impeachment of the then-governor Rod Blagojevich, or Blagojevich for trying to sell President Barack Obama's Senate seat for the Associated Press. She swears she winked. She swears he winked at her after pleading his case to the state Senate. A Midwestern native, she lives with her two hairy pups, Vuda and Buster. Yeah, unfortunately, you see that 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 information about that particular journalist was free, so we we felt we had to use it. But I uh, we know that it's not germane to our story, so we're just going to keep going on. One of the reasons for teacher shortage in Texas is the growth of the state population. Texas is one of the country's fastest growing states and student populations are growing and diversity is also growing at high rates, which is putting extra pressure on the state's teacher staffing pool. According to a recent report from Educate Texas, student enrollment in Texas increased by 19.2% between 2002 and 2012, as compared to just 3.3% nationally. In addition, 18.1% of Texas students are English language learners, or ELL, nearly double the national average of just 9.3%. And 60% of Texas students now qualify as economically disadvantaged, growing by 28.2% between 2004 and 2015, according to Edmentum, which is actually not a news source, but but this information we just told you was free, so we felt we had to use it. You see, Edmentum is a company, and we can be sure that they're accurate, but yes, this particular blog post we got this information from did end with a link to check out their products and services. So uh, let's try this again. According to a study published in 2018 by Taylor and Francis Online, a publisher of academic journals and books titled The Bilingual Teacher Shortage in One Texas School District, Practitioner Perspectives, the author Barbara Kennedy claims, Oh, okay, so this is also behind a paywall, and the article does cost $45 U.S., and it just gives us 48 hours of access, so I guess we can move on. Now, finally, we found a free source that we can use. Well, it was free to us since it's called the Public News Service, and it's a membership-based media outlet that supports local journalism in 37 states, and the service also includes Texas. You can find out more about them at publicnewsservice.org. According to a 2019 article in their publication, quote, Texas teachers earn more than 22% less. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Texas teachers earn more than 22% less? Let's rephrase that, even though it's a quote. Texas teachers earn 22% less in weekly wages than similar college graduates in 2018 after accounting for education experiences and other factors. Basically, that translates to they're making less money with the same level of education. That, of course, also translates to that many teachers leave for the same reason many of us leave our crappy jobs. We work too much and we're paid too little. So in addition to the pay, population growth in the state does impact the teacher shortage, as well as the need for additional bilingual teachers and rising from the shift of demographics, of course. But these shortages have allowed for more schools to then skirt any sort of quality control when it comes to qualifications of teachers in the classroom. According to the Texas Tribune in 2018, more than half of Texas public school students are in districts that don't require teachers to be certified, according to state officials. And this is due to a recent law giving schools more freedom on educational requirements within their district. You see, a 2015 law lets public schools access exemptions from requirements such as teacher certification, school start dates, and class sizes. These same exemptions allow for open enrollment charter schools. They use a district of innovation plan, and then districts can create a comprehensive educational program and 
They identify provisions under this Texas law that would inhibit their goals, and then they can work to get around them. While primarily these undocumented teachers are supposed to teach career-focused subjects like technology and job skills and other shortage areas, quote, the move is some education experts worried that districts are laying the groundwork for having uncertified teachers handle core subjects like math, science, and language arts, despite a promise not to do so. Although uncertified educators have been able to teach core classes through waivers and permits, those are approved on a case-by-case basis. But it seems like those bulwarks of certification are slowly eroding. While many in the media claim that in Texas the high attrition rate is driven up by the number of smaller rural districts, according to a graduate paper published by Austin State University writer and now Dr. Paige Benoit, and which was dedicated to Grandma Dot and Pop Pop, it demonstrated that no significant relationship exists between district size and turnover rate, and this is a Texas-wide problem and not just a rural area problem. So it seems that Texas has a lot of trouble filling certain positions, such as bilingual teachers. It's a challenge to keep up with the population growth, and it doesn't want to pay a high wage, and it seems like it's a recipe for student success. Like their electrical grid, the Lone Star State may enact their own educational republic, but this is not the case for the next state subject, the mile-high state of Colorado. So let's dispense with the dispensary jokes and focus on student needs. According to the Denver Post in 2018, quote, Colorado's largest teachers union is launching a media blitz urging college students to pursue careers in the classroom. The campaign, Change a Life, Change the World, will appear on mobile and digital platforms across a variety of networks. The video ads will feature Colorado teachers, including 2018 Colorado Teacher of the Year Christina Randall promoting their profession. Now, mind you, 2018 was the same year Colorado lawmakers voted almost unanimously to raise the teacher retirement age and cut benefits across the board. Because who doesn't want to live in a travel trailer or work three jobs and donate blood plasma to pay the bills? Meanwhile, the pay gap between teachers and other comparably educated professionals is now the largest on record in the state of Colorado. In 1994, public school teachers in the U.S. earned 1.8% less per week than comparable workers, according to the Economic Policy Institute, a left-leaning think tank. And in 2019, according to a Time magazine article, teachers made a whopping 18.7% less than comparably educated professionals. The Washington Post claimed that turnover rates in Colorado school districts in 2014-15 saw the highest numbers of teachers leaving the profession in 15 years. Paired with this, the analysis found that there was higher turnover in districts with high poverty rates. According to the report, rural schools in Colorado faced teacher shortages across all content areas, and in 2017, the shortages detailed struggles in rural districts who are facing an uphill battle to find teachers, especially when there are specific needs in math, science, special education, or world languages. And when you think of the future, the future will belong to those who can do math, know science, and speak other languages, so this is troubling to say the least. As many have said, the cost of living in Colorado has gone up across the board. But according to the Colorado Sun, this situation of high cost of living and low wages has specifically hit rural areas very hard. One superintendent of a rural district claimed that in 1986, when four teachers retired, he had 30 applicants replace those teachers. But in 2018, when he lost eight teachers, he received no interest in filling the positions until one of his principals recruited, quote, the waitress serving her at the Purple Toad Social Tap and Grill down the road from the school to come on board. So go ye forth through your watering holes and recruit your servers. 
Several districts have reached out to retired teachers to entice them to come back or have recruited from overseas, such as the Philippines, where their nation's idea of poverty wages don't yet match our nation's idea of poverty wages. The district was scraping the bottom of the bucket for applicants, quote, When a math teacher quit in the middle of the year, the superintendent could only find two potential candidates. When he reviewed the college transcript of one, he discovered the candidate had actually flunked three of the math classes in college that were required. The other math teacher he eventually hired out of retirement just didn't work out. The formerly retired teacher turned out to be letting his students skip class to play basketball in the gym. So now that we've done a little historical survey, let's look into the current time of pandemic and lockdown education, especially since if we close any of these tabs, we can't reopen them without subscribing. So let's use what we have. As we all painfully know, the COVID pandemic hit hard and quickly, leading many schools to close down with little notice. Teachers who had been used to what we used to just call teaching and now is called in-person instruction had been tossed into the digital world of video conferencing, ed tech curriculum, and an unknown fate. According to a new report by the Horace Mann Educator Corporation, 77% of educators are working more today than a year ago, 60% enjoy their job less, and 59% do not feel secure in their school's district's health and safety precautions. Roughly 27% of teachers surveyed say that they're considering leaving their job, retiring early, or taking a leave of absence because of the pandemic. Quote, Before the pandemic, large numbers of U.S. educators were already leaving the profession due to the financial pressure the job puts on their lives, reads the report. Quote, then COVID-19 came along. Richard Milner, professor of education at Vanderbilt University, itself a university built on the wealth accumulated by slavery, but now somehow troubled by its history, says these figures do not surprise him. Quote, In fact, I suspect these numbers will probably increase over time, Dr. Milner says. Many teachers are barely keeping their heads above water, and we don't know how much longer they're going to be in this space. Teachers have long raised concerns about the difficult financial circumstances that educators often face. Over the past several years, tens of thousands of teachers have gone on strike for improved pay and school funding. These financial concerns are also highlighted in the Horace Mann report. Educators' salaries have been falling further behind the compensation of their college-educated peers, while educators' college costs and the resulting student loans have risen sharply. As a result, many educators find their debt burdens can feel insurmountable and delay or prevent achievement of other life goals, such as starting a family, buying a house, or saving for retirement. Of course, the entire report was underwritten by the Horace Mann Educators Corporation, an Illinois-based auto, property, and life insurance, as well as financial services company that focuses on retirement annuities and mutual funds for teachers and is now owned by insurance giant Cigna, known for many things, but most recently for a top executive who slandered Canada's response to COVID only to later say, quote, We spent big money to push the idea that Canada's single-payer system was awful and the U.S. system was much better. It was a lie in the nation. COVID response proved it. I'll regret slandering Canada's system for the rest of my life, said the now unsurprisingly former Cigna communications director turned reform advocate. Now remember in all this, we have no state or national statistics on teachers leaving the profession, so we have to rely on universities, research by academics, think tanks, and industry interests to fill the gaps. We're not saying we can't know. We're just saying this entire episode may be built on hard data sprinkled with BS or BS sprinkled with hard data. 
According to Education Week in November 2020 article, quote, as the start of the 2020-21 school year approached and many districts began rolling out plans to bring students back to campus, teachers across the country wrestled with the difficult decision of whether to leave their jobs to protect their health and that of their loved ones or stay in the classroom. Surveys showed that one in five teachers said they were unlikely to return to in-person instruction in the fall, and the same percentage said that they were more likely to quit at the end of the last school year than they were before the pandemic. Of course, this stokes those fears and some troubling statistics because about 18% of public school teachers are age 55 or older, putting them at a heightened risk for serious illness due to COVID-19. An analysis by the Kaiser Family Foundation estimates that about 1.5 million teachers, nearly one in four, have health conditions that increase their risk for COVID-19 complications. A similar article in Salon.com from 2020 quoted a teacher saying their school, quote, asked teachers to use both in-person and virtual students, a hybrid, sometimes simultaneous. Teachers in both these nightmare scenarios reported higher stress, frustration, and worry about their own mental health compared to those teaching fully virtual or in-person only. And this mountain of expectations is stacked atop other non-paid caregiving responsibilities, which may disproportionately impact the education workforce, given it is majority female makeup. The Department of Labor Statistics noted that nearly four times as many women than men dropped out of the labor force in September, just as these new modes of instruction were getting up and running. This is, in our currently environmentally conscious parlance, unsustainable. In that same time, the author, a professor of political science, said, Malacaster College, your backup school when you couldn't get into Vassar, said, quote, We keep asking our teachers to give and give and give. They keep showing up and risking their physical and mental health. They answer 3,000 emails a week and pay close attention to whether or not the face on the other side of the laptop camera looks hungry or overwhelmed. We've reduced our teachers to stumps, and stumps can't grow back. They're not easily replaced by seeds or saplings planted in hostile soil. When this is over, we need to rethink schools. One teacher who was tired of her job and of the high expectations and multiple roles she had to fill each and every day exclaimed, quote, Teaching is a strange profession where the weight of the world is constantly thrown on you, where you're blamed for years of systemic issues, whether it be racism, income inequality, natural disaster, mental health, or a highly and horrifically politicized pandemic. And amidst that, we are blamed, shamed, and accused of not caring enough about the youth, a limitless expectation of martyrdom in the face of society's much deeper problems. To which one commentator, identifying itself as a parent, said, have you ever considered that not all parents are stay-at-home parents and we, as yourselves, have jobs too? The only difference is that I did not choose to be a teacher, and you did. To which the author of this work, the teacher Emily R., responded, quote, I would be curious to hear why you think teachers chose to be teachers, exactly. Did we sign up for the ever-growing list of roles we must play? Did we sign up to be the strange exemption to public safety issues in place? I think there is a genuine disconnect and an unfortunate history of teachers being genuinely too tired on a regular basis to combat the unreasonable expectations of martyrdom. To be frank, sentiments like yours are what make it more difficult to perform and keep morale high and positive on a regular basis, as touched on by the article. The teacher goes on to say, I can sum up some of your comments as just ignorance. Since I've been to work every day since the pandemic began buzzing in the media as our schools were shifted to virtual back in March of 2020, that is the case for nearly every teacher you speak to or of. Despite the classroom still existing just in a different way, I understand where your desperation for schools to open to full capacity comes from. It has never been more apparent how essential we are for the health of our economy, which should be a wake-up call, a call to all teachers to need to be treated better, compensated appropriately, and given a greater level of respect. 
subject. Instead, it goes down a darker path, blaming, assuming, and ultimately denouncing teachers as ungrateful for not embracing the opportunity to put their mental, emotional, and physical health on the line day in and day out in the name of public service. It is unfortunate that you think a highly educated, empathetic, as is required to be a teacher, professional hasn't considered that many parents have jobs to do themselves and thus are having a hard time right now. And most unfortunate that you cannot see that the venom you spread in comments like this are actually hurting the future that you're so worried about for your child. There was an additional 210 comments to this particular article on this teacher, substack.com. Some of them are comedy gold, but we'll put a link to the full article on our website so you can do your own homework at your own pace and well, laugh out loud or low, as it were. That was a lot. Teaching is a punishing profession even when one is compensated appropriately. True, there are bad teachers, but there are also bad doctors, bad lawyers, financial advisors, bad investors, and bad CEOs. But as a society, we don't seem to hold them up to the same standard as we do our nation's educators. In addition to expecting the rank and file of, to be martyrs, we expect to get this workforce for next to nothing and pay them but a pittance. We want what the movies taught us. We want teachers to exist only for their jobs, to stand up on their desks and shout out, to inspire kids, to fill a role that used to be reserved for saints and monks. Many do go into education to make a difference, but this altruistic motivation should not be punished financially, emotionally, or socially. In this information age, we should find a way to help educators do their job, get them the tools they need, and expel those who are unfit for the profession, of which... There are sadly many out there who need to be doing something else other than teaching children. But COVID has made the profession harder, as it has been hard for all of us, but it has also exposed the inequalities and stressors that have been out there for decades. Which brings us to one last story. If you want a job in education, perhaps you should check out Pfluggerville, Texas. Pfluggerville. P-F-L-U-G-E-R-B-I-L-L-E. Flugger. Fluggerville, perhaps. What's with the extra letters? Anyway, it appears that teachers in Fluggerville are plucked. After one teacher was fired for refusing to return to the classroom before the official end of the pandemic, and not just dropping of restrictions, a whole bunch of teachers decided missing out on the sweet, sweet bling that teaching brings was just not worth catching COVID. Now, this was a district that was already in the news in 2020 when a group of parents and teachers called on the resignation of the superintendent due to a shortage of safety equipment and the distribution of apparently expired and moldy disinfectant wipes. We can only guess, although there are no scientists on our staff, that when mold grows on a disinfectant wipe, well, we think that it might be a little bit beyond the born-on date or whatever the effectiveness against mold is measured by. According to CBS Austin, a Pluggerville ISD teacher resigned after her battle with COVID-19 and losing her grandmother to the virus and after she had brought it home from school. This single resignation seems to have led to 76 additional teachers who submitted their resignation letter en masse to the district. According to the teacher who lost her grandmother, quote, When they denied my request to work from home, having known of all this information about my grandmother dying, it just made me feel like, wow, I'm working for a district that doesn't really care, she said. The teacher said she ended up contracting COVID-19 in December of 2020 and believes she got it while working on campus. According to the teacher, her grandmother then also contracted COVID-19 and actually did so twice and then passed away in January 2021. It was upon her grandmother's death that she knew it was time to resign. Quote, it's kind of hard to work in an environment where, you know, life happens to people and no sympathy is being shown, she said. 
While the 77 teachers only represent 4% of the overall instructional staff, there's a good chance you can get a job with little or no educational experience since the district, as of this episode, is listing 92 teacher jobs on Indeed.com. One such job was as an in-person substitute teacher where you can make $90 a day. Wow, $90? $90 would cover about 0.2% of the average cost of COVID-related hospitalization. So yay! We would like to thank our listeners and our listeners who have slogged through and gotten to the end of this. This has been quite a quite an episode. So please like and recommend our program to friends, especially those in the K-12 education world. We continue to work on new episodes for this season and continue to expand our reach. Speaking of expansion, we have received photographic evidence of an actual listener. Thanks, documented listener, for letting us know that you listen to us in the car. It means a lot. We're looking for members to join our Glee Club. It seems that we only know introverts. But if you have an extroverted moment, chemically enhanced or otherwise, reach out to us at scandalk12us.com forward slash glee and do sign up. Thanks to all our news sources. We cite most of them in the script. We'll also post highlights for the ones that we've used in our show notes page. Also, sound credits will be listed there. Special thanks to our Patreon students, especially our new students who have just signed up. We know that the Patreon logo is not in enough places in the website. We're going to post this so many times, you're going to think it's a creepy alien banner ad trying to sell you discount car insurance from 1997. Or you can go to the Patreon directly, patreon.com forward slash scandal K12US. We do this podcast for the love of learning, but also, like most teachers, we do this since we love money. And we love having the entire summer off with money. We also love that we can't be fired. Freesound allows us to add a soundscape to all of our episodes. Please keep them in your thoughts and prayers and perhaps donate to the cause. You can donate money. What is sound of money? Think about that. Remember, students, tell us and we forget. Teach us and we remember. Screw us over and you're on scandal.k12.us. Class dismissed.